Does your group have the monster manual memorized? Do they know Faerun, Kryn, Greyhawk, Nistara, Dark Sun, or Barovia better than you do? Do they know the lore of the land, cultures, gods, and politics like the back of their hand? Are they bored with the campaign setting? If the answer to any of these is yes, you may have campaign setting fatigue. We have the cure. It's five reasons why you should build your own campaign world this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Great. Effervescent. So I guess it's world building. It's just not for DDs anymore. No, it's not. You too can build your own game world. I suggest you do it. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. This started off with our week long, where we decided to just kind of throw something a little different at everybody. And it, 10 years later, and countless bottles of adult beverage, uh, we've came up with our own world, our own campaign setting. It's fun. It, it, it well, was a blast doing. Well, I didn't even think we realized we were creating the world. Well, we you, first, you, we, you, you were a guinea pig. Yeah, we well, knew it all along. When we first started anyways, <laughs> I didn't mind. It was actually pretty fun. We had the cleft and Darkhold. That was really it to begin with. That yeah. was it? Yeah, it all spawned from there. Yep. I think one of the biggest draws for me in creating or homebrewing your own campaign setting is is that you don't have to follow a linear narrative like you would if you you were using one of the boxed sets because they they kind of have it all planned out for you. You know, this is what's going on in the world today, and this is the timeline that you're in right now. This is where where you belong. This is where this this edition of D and D is is set in, and you don't have to do any of that when you homebrew your own campaign world. The narrative is written at the gaming table, not just by the DMs, but by the players as well. Well, it was for us, and we drove that quite a bit. We were oftenly asking our players, you know, to elaborate on things. You know, what what do you think of that, and what would you do here? And we we kind of seeded it and let them run with it, and then we would take what they did and put our spin on it and polish it. And if we didn't come up with something. <laughs> finished or near finished they they certainly would other finish it for or get us started on something it's like boy that was a good idea let's let's run with that and see what we can come up with and i think just the collaborative between the table you and i uh we we managed to put together what i think is a pretty pretty damn good campaign setting yeah i i would agree i don't know if it's just because it's it's our baby i know? can answer that for you it's a damn good campaign setting well there you it really have. is I feel vindicated. As do I. So with your own world, your players can be a huge part in its development. And we touched on that a little bit, but there were their first characters that they played in the campaign world kind of set the tone for the 
their in, entire race. I mean, they created mm-hmm. brand new races for this this campaign world. Yeah, we, we gave them an outline and a few directives, and then said, "Okay, flesh it out." And as they they started, well, I think they should do that, and I think they should do that, and they'd bounce it off us before they actually threw it into play. You say, well, how about this for an, a skill, or or how about this as a, a a background? And they did a really every single one of them did a very very good job of just embracing the you know the races that we that we created and and ran with them, and and they became very colorful entities unto themselves. Yeah, and they they really drive the narrative of, of your world. And, you know, when you play in, in, in Faerun, everybody goes back to Drizzt, who is a, a, a pretty cool character, but we don't, we don't have any of that. We don't, we don't have a Drizzt. Our epic well-known heroes are the characters from the first seven years that we ran a campaign in that campaign setting. So yeah, they all, most of them became legends. Yeah, and when you refer back to them, because we'll drop these little Easter eggs in a campaign, we have a whole new character being played, same players, but these names pop up and everybody instantly recognizes them because either they played that character or the person sitting next to them was playing that character. So it adds a really deep investment in the campaign setting on well, the part of, the of vali- a certain amount of validity as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great deal. Uh, it's like, well, you, well, I, I know it's real because you know, they they just, you know, mentioned Len yep. or, or Molliff or, or, or Solinar. And, and, you know, these are names that in our world are 400 years in the past now, and they're still recognizable to the, you know, to the, to, to the level of myth and, and legend. That's the other thing too is is our our two campaigns that we've run in in the uh, the game world they uh, campaign setting they take place in very different periods of time in in history. You can do that mm-hmm. when when it's your your homebrew campaign setting. You can bounce around and populate your your timeline your history with the campaigns that that you're running, and your player characters can be those legendary heroes. And who doesn't want that? It's a whole lot better than buying the prefab where you don't know anybody. Yeah. I'll agree. It couldn't get any better. Like I said, you guys did a, a wonderful job creating this this world that we've been playing in for the last, was it 10, 10 years now? 12. Yeah, 12. Well, yeah, 12 years. Mm-hmm. The retro kind of, yeah, it started. Well, the world probably started the second year. Second yeah. year. You know, the first year was trying to like get us all together and, and the, the seeds were planted then, and the second year we kind of like talked about it. But by the beginning of year three, it, it, him it's and I cold, looked yeah. him and I looked at each other and went, "We got something here. Let's let's see what we can do with it." And yeah. it's been run, and and our gaming group has been play testing it for us up to that point, where we're actually knock on wood, uh, hopefully ready to start publishing pretty soon. That'll be good. Um, but like you said, it's just you guys also involved all the players and. Whether a city name or a, a town's name, or just the, even the people in general, so you know you incorporate everybody's input into this uh, with your, you know, with your directives and your direction. Oh, yeah, well, there's input, large and small. Some people have taken entire races and built them out, and then other people have just a few names here and there, or just the way they played the character was more than enough to to give us something to work with. So it doesn't have to be these monstrous contributions. It's the all the little stuff over the course of eight, ten years 
of your gameplay as we watch and and use those little tidbits here and there and just like the, uh, some of the background for your character is is created in entire cities and towns just from your background right yeah so how, monsters you know we took on a fresh new take on monsters and items you know how how difficult was it to come up with all that as far as monsters go, uh, it was an absolute breeze for me. It couldn't have been easier, <laughs> and that's that's mostly because Bill made all the monsters. <laughs> and most of the magic, too. Uh, the, the monster, I just used the, the guide out of the, the front of the 5th you know, edition, uh, Monsters Manual in the DMG, explains how to make your monsters. You can look at the ones that are already in there. You can reskin them if you want. That's relatively easy. Uh, take a monster change some of its abilities and, and some of its attacks. I like to take things a little bit more uh, creatively. So I will find a, uh, an inspiration, a picture on the internet that, it, you know, it's like, boy, that's a really wicked, nasty looking something or other. I'm going to build it. And I will pull that picture down so I can show my table what it looks like. And I will start building it. I'll decide what challenge rating it's going to be sitting at uh, based on the level of the players on the table I will just let the my imagination run. How do I see this thing moving? How do I see this thing attacking? What are some of its special attacks? What are some of its resistances? What are some of its weaknesses? And just start building. And like I said, my overact, overactive imagination will kick in. I'll put some music on the ba- in the background to inspire myself, to keep me in the mood, and I'll just go start cranking. And I think I was pulling out two, three, four monsters a night at one point. Yeah, and it really sets the tone for your world too when you do something like that because there's 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 a theme, mm-hmm. you know, in the monsters that that you created for for our campaign setting and and that flavors the world in pretty unique way. And some of the stuff that we did with existing monsters, we we put a uh, a, a different slant on them like we made we made orcs a player race. You know, so they have their their own civilization. Mm-hmm. And we did the same thing with goblins and we put a totally different slant on the goblins. So they're a merchant species that are merchant people that pretty much travels throughout the entirety of the world, selling whatever, whatever wares that their particular uh, clan produces. Very gypsy like. Yeah. Uh, very, very much so. And, and they're uh, almost, almost Ferengi like, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm a, that was the other episode. I'm a Trekkie. That was the other episode. Can't help it. Um, we won't and go then, there. <laughs> you know, and they're a fae-like species too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're more akin to fairies than they are to orcs. Uh, so you can put all these different slants on monsters that you know aren't in the monster manual, aren't in any of the uh, the canon that the D and D game uh, has, and that can really kind of spice things up a little bit. You well, know, where do they so, fit in the world? I mean, look, all our players are very, very, most of our players are very, very well seasoned. They know the, the the monster manual in and out, even the newer editions. So you take a monster that they are, they think they're familiar with and they go at it with a familiar tactic and that tactic doesn't work going, no, no, wait a minute. Kobolds aren't, they're easy. You should be knocking them down like bowling pins. What do you mean he's standing? I just hit him three times with a battle axe. Why is he still standing there? Why is he beating me up, not the other way around? So you can take your familiar monsters, reskin them for your world. Uh, and we've mentioned this in earlier uh, episodes. Be consistent. 
with that particular monster. If, if that's the way that your kobolds are, then that's the way your kobolds should be. Now, obviously, some are going to be a little stronger than others, a little bit, you know, waffle back and forth. That's fine. But be consistent. And that way, you know, they'll figure them out. But in the first encounter, if they beat your players or vice versa, they may not see every bag that's in the trick. I get that ass backwards. Every trick that's in the bag. You have others that you can hold off. And the next time they run into them, oh, well, I'll just do this. It worked last time. And all of a sudden they pull something new out going, oh, wait a minute. I didn't know they did that too. So, yeah, you, just, you can reskin old ones. Or a lot of times when Scott and I were writing the story, he wrote this beautiful uh, black circle plague that started in the world. And I created an entire group of monsters that were all mutated from existing beast, normal beast that were mutated by the black circles and turned them into hellacious creations that tormented the world. And tormented it. It did. It did. We didn't know what to expect. Well, um, like I said, a lot of times I showed those pictures and everyone just went, oh, that's ugly. And I've never seen that before. And that's the beauty of having your own monsters is your, your, your rules lawyers are, are going to go nuts. They're going to go nuts because they, 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 I have no idea what that is. I don't, I don't know how to stop it. I, it's not in the book. Where where'd you find that? And you can see them actually twitching in their chairs. And we had to. It was almost necessary for it, us to for, for, at our, yeah. homebrew a campaign setting because we had so many seasoned players that even with a brand new edition uh, of the game, they they had you know twenty, thirty, sometimes forty years of lore that they've they've accumulated just through playing the game and being a part of the hobby for as long as they had. So mm-hmm. it, it had to be done to keep it fresh. And if you have a similar group. And you haven't homebrewed a campaign setting yet. You really should. It, it's going to keep it fresh. It's, for, it's like for, playing a new game. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It, it's very much so like 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 playing a new game. And one of the other things that was was big for us was was the magic items. The way we approached magic was completely different. Yes, yes. We we opted for a a low magic world. So there's there's magic. And there was a lot of magic, but because of that, there were regulations put on the use of magic by by an entity in the world, like a, an organization, perhaps is a better term. Mm-hmm. But we did we did homebrew some of our our own magic items, which was really 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 fun, uh, comical. Yep, a lot of them were were very low powered. Some were tech based, and others were others were built out of. Uh, out of a necessity for some magic items, for some items that performed a specific function, but with very little access to the knowledge required to make a powerful magic item. And then there's a number of the items, too, that were very utilitarian. Yes. Yeah, this is a very utilitarian magic items. And, and again, based on tech or with a little bit of magic left over from fractured, ruptured, existing magic items that they bastardized and and tried to get work in and said well that didn't work all right let's use the parts and into something else and so you got this low-powered magic Uh, a lot of it was like i said tech-based but not everything there are a few artifacts kicking around the world they said the the organization that we created is is hunting those down and gathering them up to keep them out of harm's way the the party will still have magic and they do have a, a fair amount but we are a, a low magic world and a low magic party, so they have to rely more on their their skills and their talents and their abilities than being able to just pull out the big sword and cut everything in half. Going ta da, problem solved. 
Yeah, and one of one of the things that creating a low magic world does is it also requires a, a different a different way of looking at the game because you don't have that that kind of golf bag full of magic items that you know this this needs my plus four sword defender this situation it's like this is what you have how are you going to approach the situation without the crutch of a plethora of magic items mm-hmm. how many times in in the early editions where you know every encounter well okay it's class a or class b or class c you know worth of treasure and then you go by the warrior's house and he has a picket fence of plus one battle axes out in front of his house because he has nothing better to do with them yeah he's he's already upgraded several times yeah. there, that that power creep isn't there really when you go low powered magic no in our world i think uh, the most powerful weapon i've seen is still a plus two and i think we're like level what 10 yeah yeah um, and i think the most Items any one of us have is maybe two, maybe three. There's a few out there with a couple more, but well, again, we've 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 called them back a bit. <laughs> they they think we don't know, yes, but we do. Yeah, that, I'll write it on a separate piece of paper on the back of this piece of paper, and but yeah. it but at the same time, uh, like on our yearly getaway, there's so many of us we have to play at two different tables, so we don't know what everybody has really. This is true. It does, the tables do get mixed up fairly often. From year to year, sometimes during the same year. Yep. Uh, so yeah, you don't have access to or have been witness to what everyone has. But we have, and we talk. Yes. And the uh, you don't have to go like low magic. You can go high magic in in your world. You can you can go moderate magic, but you yeah, know, make it's, it. It's your world. Do whatever you want. Yeah, and that's the great thing about it. It's just that you know, it's like your house. Decorate it however you want to decorate it. It's whatever makes you comfortable too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I need another hit of Metamucil, so this is a good time to take a break. Hi, it's DM Bill, and as you can tell, I am not impressed. Why, you may ask? Because it's what us old folks do. You want to know what does impress me? Besides a full night's sleep without a trip to the bathroom, every two hours, online shopping. That's right, online shopping impresses me. There's nothing I like more than clicking on the doodads on my jitterbug phone and buying the latest D&D books and gaming accessories from Amazon and having it delivered right to my door. That's darn convenient. Next time your kids are on your Twitcher book or facey time, impress DM Bill and head on over to our website, thedungeonmastersdojo.com, and do some online shopping at our Amazon affiliate store. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it's a great way to support a podcast. See you next time in the dojo. We're back from our break. Oh, that's better. Well, why don't you um, continue on our world building expedition here? We've already touched on this once. Your group can assist in building your world. And and we were lucky enough where we have a lot of people that are very imaginative. And creative. And creative, yeah. yeah. So they, they did a phenomenal job of help filling in the blanks for us, especially if, even sometimes without even realizing it, but... We, we petitioned a number of people saying, hey, can you work on this? Can you work on that? And uh, the few that, that, that said, hey, yeah, I'll do that, they, they stepped up big. They stepped up big. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of ownership that your players get when they have participated in the construction of the campaign setting. And once you have that kind of ownership and buy-in, then, then they're sold on it. You know, they – they have that investment in the world. You know, this is my little my little chunk of, of our campaign setting. This is my contribution and very proud of it. 
and we've had we've had two players that kind of co-collaborated, I guess, if you will, on a race that's unique to our world mm-hmm. just through playing it and coming up with some ideas like, hey, I think that they should be required to multi-class and should not take that that penalty to uh, stat bumps or uh, feats. Right. But the, there's a trade-off. There, there is there, there is a trade off, yep. and that's that. But it, but it was a good point when he brought it up to me. He's like, "Hey, you know, bring this to Scott. Let's take a look at this." And uh, it was a very very good point. You know, it's like, well, that that's that's doable. That's very workable. Let's let's put it in there. And he justified it. He justified it because, and he's pulled something away. You know, that might be too strong. That might be too strong. That's too much. You know, that's too big a, a bonus. Let's 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 scale that back. And let's go with this instead. So it it wasn't just how big and bad can we make this particular class of, you know, this race. Let's le- level it out and make sure everything is justified. And and it saves a lot of time, yeah, and work for, for the 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 DM. So if you're going to create that that campaign world, farm some of it out. If someone one of your your players approaches you and and says. You know, I, I think this would be cool. You know, what do you think of that? And then sit down and talk to them about it and let them have that that involvement in there because usually they'll come back and have more ideas or they'll just become the the owner of that particular city, town, race, whatever have you, and and just develop it even further. Oh yeah, they'll just keep going. Oh, how about this level? I'm I'm going up on I'm going up in levels, and I noticed that they are granted this, but it doesn't make sense for the way this character is developing. How about if we give it this instead? Because you know they're invested in it now. They want to make sure this this particular character of theirs and the race that they're following is going in the direction they would like to see it go. And with your direction, you know, as the game master, let them have at it. It is, after all, their world too. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're running campaigns in it and you know, it may have been your, your baby, but they're living in it. Yeah. You know, and adventuring through it. So give them that, that opportunity. It, it's going to save you a bunch of work and your, your world's going to grow a lot, and, a lot and, bigger. And to that point too, if, if they're getting that involved, some of your other players will turn and go, well, no, he did that. No, he did all that. Oh, well, can I do something? Absolutely. Yeah, it could be contagious. Yeah, you know, we we hope so. We hope so. In our case, it it was, it was not. I mean, not everyone at the table came to our world saying, "Hey, I want to be a, build a part of your world. I just want to play in it." That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But it it's nice when some of them step up and say, "Hey, you know, I have something to contribute. I have an idea. So let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's see where it goes." And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. There's been a few ideas that have bounced off, and so we just kind of went. Eh. Yeah, or it just may not be the right time, or yep. it may have to kind of grow, go back to the drawing board for it to be a, a viable idea. Or they got the inspiration to cross over from another genre, and it doesn't quite fit the yeah. world. Yeah, too much of a mix of genres. Mm-hmm. And it, and you touched upon this a little bit. It, it does. It inspires creativity. It, it'll inspire creativity on on my part on the part of uh, other players at the the table may even inspire some creativity of someone's spouse who's not playing the game but may make a suggestion <laughs> um and, and that's always welcome too 
uh, especially if it's a set of eyes that doesn't sit at the gaming table. That's where I get a lot of my monsters. From? Uh, from several of the things my wife has called me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it, you, you, she is creative. We, we, I'll give her that. We, 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 have mentioned inspira- that. We, we mentioned inspiration can come from some, some, you know, from anywhere. And uh, my wife will come down here with a, a, uh, a stream of expletives that will make a truck driver blush. And uh, and a description that I'll turn on and go, wow, that was horribly gross and awesome at the same time. I can use that. Yeah, and and sometimes you're not the only target of such things. <laughs> Some of my I'm, closest friends, I myself, will will, been, will catch the catch uh, the flack as well. Yeah, I've I've gotten hit with it quite a few times. <laughs> I was about to say a couple, two or three times. So that's what you get for sitting closer to the stairs. You're yeah. the first one she sees. An established campaign setting. That you that you're particularly in at this moment, especially with some of the pre-written stuff, may not necessarily fit where you want to go. So, right, if you're making your own world, you have your own vision. You're getting input from your players. You can now customize it for what you where you want to be. Because like there's a lot of great stuff out there, but you may not like where it's going. You can direct that. You can direct it in your own world. Yeah, you're you're. Kind of railroaded a little bit with those those campaign settings, and which which is ironic because this is a game that people uh, people don't like to be railroaded, and you know they they want to <laughs> they want to get off the rails. Yeah, and um, it's not always easy to do that with a uh, like a pre designed campaign setting that you're buying um, from Wizards of the Coast or anybody else because it's already established and. Yes. It almost feels like it cheapens the world a little bit when you make too many modifications. Like it's not recognizable anymore. I, don't get me wrong; the, the pre-made stuff for for new game masters is very useful. Yeah, it's very useful, especially if you you don't you're not familiar with building stuff. You're not familiar with the world. Let's face it; not everyone has the world memorized. Not everyone. Right. Right. There is people just starting to play. Bless you. You're keeping the hobby going. That's what we need. That's what we want. Uh, we're out here to help the game masters to inspire your players. So your players keep coming back. They bring other players. So there are always going to be new players that the world is not a overused item anymore, but there's an awful lot of us out there that have been around forever. This is your way to provide something fresh, new and exciting. And I, I enjoy building. I enjoy building the monsters. I enjoy building the magic items. Um, like I said, Scott's the storyteller, and I'm the logistics person. Uh, I, I, I build the things, and he builds a story around them. And between the two of us, I think we've come up with some pretty nice stuff. And it keeps our players on their toes because they've picked up items and went, well, what does this do? Uh, I did detect magic. It's glowing a little, so there's something there, but they can flip through the books all they want. They're not going to find anything in there that's going to help them. And the discovery process is a very entertaining thing, especially with our group who is not afraid to just go, hey, look, it's got a pull string. I'm going to put it in another player's, you know, another character's pocket and pull the string. That's the wild card's job. And we both just looked at Lou. (laughs) <laughs> that's why i said it's the wild, wild card, card job, job. Uh, good point you made about uh being a new gm 
you know, uh, creating your own, your own campaign setting may not be the best idea for you right off the bat. Yeah, learn, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Learn the game, learn the craft first and, um, become comfortable with both. Yes. And, and then, and then jump in, start yeah. small. Doing small, small bits, uh, a, a town, a village, one or two monsters, you know, that kind of deal and work your way up from there. That's precisely what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, multiple decades of experience and still we went that route, which is the best route to go in my opinion for creating a, a campaign setting. Well, we've, we've had a previous episode where we mentioned the play styles and it does curb in a lot of your, your wild cards, your, your rules, lawyers, your, you know, even your tacticians, everything's new and fresh. And they're like, uh, okay, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing anymore. We thought we knew, uh, but all of a sudden, you know, the creatures crawling out of that hole don't look like anything we've ever seen. And that, that device you picked up is doing some really funky stuff every time it gets dark out. And, uh, and then we're dealing with races that they've never seen before. So it's, for us, it was necessary for our group, as we mentioned. It's not necessary for everybody. But if you do it, if it's starting to feel old and it's starting to feel tired, this is definitely the way to go. Yep, and that's going to conclude this episode. And that's part one of our series of world building. Five reasons why you should build your own campaign setting. Part two will be coming soon. So keep your eyes open.